I think it's a lot better now than what it used to be because it's more um, awareness out there mm-hmm. and more understanding. So I think it's a lot less. So I think in the in the past, so you know, teachers didn't understand what was going on with our children. So it was more like eighty percent misdiagnosis. Wow. But now I think it's, it's a lot better. Wow. That's a high number as well. Right, right. I'm like, wow. And those were the things that had me afraid because I did some research and, again, I read a lot of the, you know, the hustles of certain school systems of this is something that they do to get additional funding. And I was just like, man, you know, is it really what it is? Mm-hmm. But Hey out there, mommy land. This is Mom Unfiltered. I am your host, Jacqueline. Today is a special podcast. We're speaking about our special needs children. My first guest is Naomi Burks, a marriage and family therapist. She works with children with special needs and their families giving the children the tools to excel in life without labels. Aisha Thomas is a speaker and podcaster. She has a son with ADHD and made sure that she was armed with information she needed to care for her child effectively and become his advocate. Please don't forget to like, share, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Now it's time for our program. What does it mean to have a child with special needs? Especially, it was to be, uh, you know, a child who needs extra resources for the family and, um, for, excuse me, for school and for home. They would need extra resources, extra help, um, maybe a lot to learn in a classroom or just extra pull-out support, a speech therapist or so forth. Um, and in the home, just to help the mom or the parents who and the siblings to be able to understand and appreciate the child's special needs in the home and to be able to cater to what they need. Okay. 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 And Aisha, uh, as um, we both have children with ADHD, so as a parent with a child with special needs, what does that mean to you? Well, it's interesting because I grew up my brother who had special needs my brother had a brain tumor growing up so he it was kind of like he was frozen at a certain age and then once he got the help he needed and overcame it he had to pretty much start over from that level of I guess cognitive development 
So I saw special needs from the space of like kids that really needed um, special attention. So my like my view of special needs initially was from my brother's lens, knowing that he needed extra care. I remember him being bullied growing up and how I had to like fight for him all the time because people will make fun of him. So to now be a mother with uh, a son that has special needs, I see it from another lens as well because I didn't understand that. I don't know, I just, my vision of special needs from was seen from my brother because his needs were even more unique than my son where, you know, we, we look at normalcy when it comes to special needs a little different. So, so for him, I'm like, man, is he really special needs? But I'm like, yes, he does have those unique needs. He does have to have an IEP plan and things in place in order for him to function within his classroom. So I know for that, I've been educated so much more about special needs. So the definition that it's a child that just has unique needs and wants and you have to pour into more resources, that makes 100% sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I also raised my brother too, who was um, that special needs. Um, he was dyslexic, or he is dyslexic, and he had a learning disability. And my mom didn't understand it, and she used to be like, because she was an educator, she's like, he can read. He's he just, he just being stupid. He can read. He's just not doing it. And I'm like, no, Mom, we need to really figure out what's happening for him because, you know, um, she didn't understand it at first. And then actually after he was diagnosed, she still didn't believe it till he, till later on when I was able to help her understand, like, no, this is really a condition for him. And this is all the resources that he needs. But, yeah, it, it, it is different as being a parent. Um opposed to working with someone too, professionally. Yeah, the interesting part, even with my parents now, with, uh, and you just made me think, because they really struggled with accepting that my son had Mm -hmm. ADHD. And I would think that after my mother experienced what she did with my brother, she will be more understanding. But again, I think when we think of an idea of a special needs child, we think of the extreme, not realizing that, Mm -hmm. There are other unique things that fall under that category. Yes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. And, okay, so let's look at it, because I also see some cultural things that are going on when it when it comes to special needs. So what is the stigma that we uh, grew up with um, as African-Americans in our community regarding children um, with special needs, children with ADHD, uh, autistic children? Um, cerebral palsy. I mean, there's a whole gamut of um, diagnoses for children that grew up. You know, I just remember that cousin that was kept downstairs away from everybody. Like, we didn't do too much interact interacting because they, you know, needed special help and they couldn't communicate and, you know, they wanted to shield that person away from everybody, especially children, because children are a little cruel. So, Mm -hmm. so what was it like with you all um, growing up and what stigmas are you still seeing in our community? Are she? Yeah. So for me, my, 
um, my brother, like if I talk about from seeing from the lens of my brother, I believe he was limited a lot. I have a hard time now after learning how many people have had special needs and seeing these motivational videos of how much things they can accomplish. But I saw from his, his lens as, as he starts, he started to work on rehabbing himself and educating himself and getting back to normalcy or what we call normalcy. They always treated him with limitations. Oh, well, you know, he can only have this kind of job. You know, he can only do X, Y, and Z. And in my head, I'm like, no, you're limiting him. We just, yes, we might need to pour a little bit more time and attention. Um, it might, this, the person that's working with him because he's in like, um, he gets government assistance. They put him in programs and they've limited his jobs to only being janitorial, being, you know, like right now he does something at a car dealership, but he just like pulls the cars in and out of the lot. So they're limiting him. In my eyes, it just is frustrating because I'm like, no, there's so much more that he can do. But literally, I can talk to my family now. And I love my mom to death. But she's like, no, he can't. He can't do this. So on the other side, for my son, I know for me, I was so, I've heard so many, I've seen the Dr. Umars. I've seen all the, you know, Islamic brothers talking about ADHD and medicines. And I was so like, afraid for him because I thought it was more of a oh well he's black because we live in a I'm in San Antonio it's a large majority of a Hispanic you know uh, base here white so he's typically it might be the only black kid in the class so I'm thinking like well maybe they're just like picking on him because he's the only black kid because those are stories that you hear that our African American boys are being labeled and a lot of schools are using that as a way to get funding when the children are really, you know, they don't have these special needs. So that was my initial uh, fear of it. And I fed into all my friends, all my family saying, ain't nothing wrong with that boy. He just, you, it's just cause you're a single mom and you don't have a man in the house. I bet you if mm -hmm. a man was in the house, it was just all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, maybe I need a man. <laughs> I mean, it was all kind of stereotypes like, well, you know, the government this and the government that. And I fought it for so long while my baby was struggling in school. And when I finally was like, OK, I'm going to do it. When I got educated on it, it changed my it changed how I saw it completely. So I think that um, there are a lot of stigmas in the black community. There are a lot of limitations they put on children that have special needs. And I'm glad to have seen it on the other side because I have so much more of an understanding now about it. Wow. Naomi? Mm -hmm. So, there's so many layers to this. So many layers to this. Listening to what um, I said, saying there's a lot of stigmas, right? So, as a mom who heavily volunteers in school systems um, in East Oakland, we always try to label the black kids as having ADHD because they're a little hyper or because they can't sit down and focus long enough or, you know, teachers not grabbing their attention or they can't focus on the lesson or so forth. And so it has always been an issue for me when kids are misdiagnosed and they just want to throw a label at them. That's the issue for me with that. Now, for the kids who actually do have a diagnosis and it's, and it's, and it's real, then yes. And so listening from it from your point of view, that's really hurtful to say, oh, nothing wrong with him and you need a man. Like, 
Okay, a whole different lens on it, and um, you know, I can't apologize for them, but I'm sorry that you have to go through that, you know, as a parent, and that's just shaming. But um, working, so I used to work as a one-to-one, which in the classroom setting with students who have special needs in a special day class. So they're either 12 students in a class and probably uh, mostly one teacher and then probably one adult to two kids. I was a one-to-one. I worked directly with one kid, but I would help out with the other students. And uh, my particular kid had autism that I was working with. And his mom used to be like, they're babying him. They're babying him. And I'm glad that you're a black woman and you're going to be here with him because you're going to push him. I can see you're going to push him. And it was amazing the growth that I've seen him do just from working with him for six months. I worked with him for a total of two years. But working with him for six months, just growth in the classroom setting and how much he was able to achieve just from having support, just not someone that's just sitting there, oh, you know, oh, you wrote your name or, oh, you can't really write. Or, no, we're going to write. Okay, you're getting mad and can't do this. Okay, well, we're going to, how can I motivate you? You know, what can I do? And he was, um, he was nonverbal. He can't speak, but he wouldn't. Instead of speaking, he would hit and, you know, to get his needs met. And so a lot of people just really didn't want to put up with it. They were just like, oh, well, he, he, he wrote J. Well, that's fine. No, he's going to write his whole name out. We're going to sit here until you write it out. And then you're going to get rewarded for it. Are you going to go outside and do something that you like and so forth? But it, it is up to us as teachers and educators and just people who are around in a supportive role in the school system to push the kids to their maximum capacity of learning instead of just letting them get off. And it, it, it's just a lot of stigma to where, oh, well, they come up to school and they can do the bare minimum and it's okay. No, it's not because the parents are sending them here so that they can get an education because they deserve saying, education with everyone else, you know, and so we are working with him, he was included in, he was mainstream, so he would only be in special day class for one or two periods, and then we were able to mainstream for the other, for the other rest of the day, and he was so popular, he was so popular because he really was smart, and yes, kids are cruel, but when they see, like, you know, you have to teach them, you have to educate them other kids not to be cruel to the kids with special needs. And then once they understand, then the cruelty and the bullying kind of subside. You know, it doesn't go away, but it's more understanding and they want to relate to them and be their friends. And he had a lot of friends. He had a lot of friends and it was really um, a feeling I opened that actually was my work time. You know, um, but yeah, so it's a lot of different layers to the stigma. And I do feel just taking it back to generational things for us as African Americans, when we had a lot of freedom and a lot of room to run, and just being over here in the city, we don't have that. So a lot of things that um, our kids deal with, we don't understand. Like, oh, there's a hyper, they can't sit down, they want to constantly want to climb a tree, and you have to do this and that's his nature. That's mm. where he came from. He came from Africa. We were able to run free and, and, and climb trees and do stuff. And if we were to take our kids out of the city, 
even two weeks, you can see a difference in that. Yeah. You know, even the ones that are special needs, you can see a difference because them being on high alert is, is, is not fair. If we take them to a farm or just somewhere where they can just be with nature, it'll be a difference. And so we want to restrict them and make them confined. Yes, it's important to sit down and learn a lesson. But also, it's important to have movie breaks. And people who are not special needs need that. You know, like my daughter, none of them can't sit down and focus for longer than 30 minutes. She's been tested. She's not special needs, but she couldn't get the accommodations. But she needed a lot of extra support in school, and she needed movement breaks. She needed teachers to understand, like, she can't focus for that long. She couldn't even write certain things on a page. Like, if, if it's a math equation, it has to be separated. You know, it couldn't just be all jumbled. So she wouldn't be able to understand it. You know, so I just think our kids learn on different levels. And educators need to understand that, regardless of what their background or their needs. Yeah, um, my daughter in school, she's had a few... Um, teachers that have just been absolutely unaware of how to um, deal with her in a classroom setting. And this okay. last year, um, her teacher was absolutely amazing with her and working with her because I didn't have her on medication. She was off for a long time. And I said, I really don't want to put her back on unless she's just getting you know, disrupting the class. So she said, okay, I got it. So for the whole year, this teacher had her under control. I didn't hear any news about her behavior, none whatsoever. She had her taking stand-up breaks. She let her um, raise her desk up and stand up and do her work. She let her sit on a stool if she needed to. She put her in groups for only a certain amount of time and then let her do her work by herself. I mean, she really really worked with her and she said you know what you have an excellent student we just have to learn how to work around the things that she does and i find it at home i don't have a lot for them to do <laughs> you know and when i do have when i do have stuff for them to do there they she works great but when i don't have anything for her to do she, you know, yells and screams for hours. She has temper tantrums. She she goes off because she doesn't just have ADHD, but she has some impulsive things. So she, you know, just, just hitting somebody or throwing something randomly, something will start flying across the room. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? But I realized that, okay, when when everybody's like laying around the house, she needs something to do. She needs mm -hmm. something to do. In that time like we we have to so now i'm just up doing stuff with them constantly so that she has something to do when she's not bickering and fighting with everybody so yeah i get that so um naomi at what rate do you think our children are being misdiagnosed with behavioral disorders i think it's okay so i think it's a lot better now than what it used to be so I think in the in the past, because you know, 
teachers didn't understand what was going on with our children. So I think it was more like 80% of misdiagnosis. Wow. But now I think it's, it's a lot better. That's a high number. That's wow. Right, right. I'm like, wow. And those were the things that had me afraid because I did research and again, I read a lot of the, you know, the hustles of certain school systems of this is something that they do to get additional funding. And I was just like, man, you know, is it really what it is? But I had to, as a parent, just start going to the school and paying attention and like really... I couldn't do a lot of the, I just don't have time. And it was interesting because that's what I got from his daycare or the school. They're like, there's some parents that don't even show up. Like, we, we actually applaud you for showing up because I will go to the school. I will watch it. I had to see it with my own eyes. And until I did that, that's when I was like, okay, you guys have a point here. But before that, I was just fueling myself with the data. And I was like, ooh, I, I don't think I believe this. You know, I was getting frustrated with the teachers. But once I started working with them and saw it with my own eyes, then I was like, okay. You know, so I, I think that that, is, uh, that helped me a lot is by actually getting involved and actually showing up and paying attention and watching the cameras and all that to say, like, okay, well, there is something deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, and, and- funny that, that, that you said that because it's a lot of parents that are not able, I don't even want to say they don't show up, are not able to show up for their kids because of things that are happening within their household. You have a lot of domestic violence or you have a lot of substance um, misuse and these parents, they're sending their kids to school but they're not involved, you know, or they're working. They're single parents and they're working and are going to be a go-parent home and they're both working job to make it, you know, and so there's a lot of different factors, which is also why these kids come to school and then they're not able to um, absorb what the teachers are saying because they had stuff going on the night before or the week or they might not have no food and, you know, they're hungry, they're, they're, they're fatigued or they're trying, there's just so many things that go into it, but there's a lot of parents who are not active in seeking answers like you did, so it's like kudos to you. I used to try to get so many parents to come and be like, you need to really, what we say don't really make a difference. We can say this kid doesn't have ADHD, that's a misdiagnosis, you know, you need to get them re-diagnosed. And you even have people so behind the scenes, we even have teachers and resource uh, specialists that are behind, and they can put anything together for the IEP meeting. They haven't really actually tested the kid, they've only seen them once. It's not an actual testing, you know, and so like you have so many things going on, but it's really up to the parents. Our voices don't make a difference. I can say whatever I need to say. I can work in the school district, but it's really the parents who actually picture on the school district and the, the teachers and the administrators actually like know what is happening to my kid, you know. So it makes so much sense when you say like, no, I, I show that I watched the cameras. I, I was active. I, I did my research. Yeah, and then even with my ex-husband, I had I think that probably also freaked me out because he used to tell me that <laughs> I don't want to get anybody caught up, but he said that he would see one of his kids' mothers. She used that as a way to hustle the system to yeah. get assistance as well. So that was yeah. another thing that poured into my fear because I was just like, What? You know, mm-hmm. like really? You know, is this 
So I've seen it from him explaining it from the aspect of I've seen people use it as a way to hustle the system. They say that their child uh-huh. have it. They're coached before they go in to say, act like this, and then they get assistance from it. So I was like, man, you know, like, I've even heard stories like that. So no, I was yeah. I, I was a witness to that. My um oldest uh, stepson, his mom did that to him, and she crippled him. She literally yeah. crippled him because now he thinks he's stupid and he can't do anything, and he's he's not. I'm like yeah. he's not. Yeah. I've sat and had conversations. I've watched him. I was like, this man can do whatever he wants to do if he puts his mind to it. But his mom said, no, you have a problem and left it at that. And and, wow. and, and it stayed with them. And I'm like, and wow. And even like, they have so much potential. They can do so much, you know. Oh. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely <laughs> insane. And um, yeah, Aisha was one of those parents, too. That my daughter's first grade teacher was just telling me over and over how horrible she was being in class and I'm like not my baby you know that's the first thing (laughs) but um as she started getting older I started seeing you know the things with her siblings that she was doing that was um that was starting to affect home and then the tantrum started coming in and she seemed like a little monster I was like wow if she's acting like this at school, I see why they're having trouble and she's just being disrupted in the class. And I wonder if there's something, you know, chemically that I can do. And so I want to um, ask you all, have you, um, do you think changing their diets would help with some of the symptoms that they're experiencing? I've tried that. Um, I, and that's the other thing. I did try every remedy prior to. Uh, I did change his diet because I am. The, I, I had to take. And that's the thing. I think as parents, you have to take. You have to put the work in because as a single mom, I was guilty of the pop tart breakfast. I was guilty of the sugary drinks. Like I was guilty of those little things. So I, even even if it did or didn't work, because it didn't work even after I changed it, it actually made me recognize like. Okay, I have to pay a little bit more attention on um, some of the things that I, I, you know, I was feeding them, you know, out of convenience. So that is something that, like, I check myself on, like, man, you are always giving them the, like, the quick go breakfast, which, yeah, sugary stuff might be affecting them in the morning. Um, But I did. I tried the, I changed the diet. I attempted that, and it didn't really work for him. Um, I might have had, like, one day of victory, but it might have just, Clearly, it must have just been that one day. But I, that was something else. I, someone even suggested, <laughs> hey, maybe it's the household cleaners. Try doing stuff that's whole, like organic. And A, organic stuff, they just don't clean like, <laughs> they don't clean like they, you know, like the, like the bleach. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but, um, right. so I've tried all that. I've tried all kinds of remedies and ultimately it did work. But I have heard that, and I've heard people say that is something that has been successful for them. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Um, so I think overall, um, like just having a healthy diet is, is is better for your physical and your mental, right? Because they go together hand in hand. 
healthy, you know, so if you eat healthy, if you add more healthy things to your regimen, it makes a difference. I wouldn't say take away the food snacks and the chips that they eat because that's what they like, you know, but I would say just add more fruits and vegetables to the meal, you know. Um, but yeah, if you, if you do keep them healthy, I, I do get it when some of the kids will come in in the morning and you can tell. You can tell if they ate, you can tell if they had sugar, or you can tell if they had something different, you know, mm. um, and you can just tell the difference. But at the same time, we still feed them at the school too. We'll feed them the pancakes at the start in the morning, but it has the apple and the milk. So it just, it just depends on what's happening with them, but I just think as a whole, a better diet is good for everyone. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fix it. I think all of it has to go in together. A lot of TLC, a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion, good eating, medicine if you need it. I used to not believe in medicine, but it does make a difference. Mm. Medicine if you need it. Parents are like just making a difference if they're going to be consistently giving us the medicine daily and work and do it. You know, so it's just, it's all a whole. Not one thing to you know? Yeah. So, Naomi, what have you found to be the most effective way parents can help um, communicate with their children? <laughs> Just in general? Just in general, as a marriage and family therapist. Um, I would just say listen. Listen. To be honest, listen. Most of the kids that I serve, that I work with, they all just want to be heard. They just want to be heard by their parents. They want to be seen. They want to be understood. And sometimes, um, we as parents, we need to take a step back and listen. You know, I know the times have changed and our kids are more exposed to different things and we feel like they have a lot of rights that we didn't have as we were growing up with our parents. These are very different. Um, but the main thing I'm hearing from students, um, the clients that I work with, is that they want to be heard. I call them students. I don't want to call them clients. The students I work with is that they want to be heard and understood by their parents. They just feel like they're not understood. Um, and when I do the family work, most of the parents feel like they're not being heard either. It's mm. really just a lack of communication on both parts. Wow. So, so, Aisha, what, so what would you say to, oh, I'm sorry, I was just going to ask no, this question. No, I was going to pose so the same question you, to you. Oh, what was the question? <laughs> oh, what do you, what do you say, what do we do for our kids? I'm sorry? You were saying, how do we communicate? With yeah, um, with you going and speaking um, and getting feedback from the young women, how have uh, you found um, what is the most effective way that parents can communicate with their children? I think to communicate, period. I mean, I really feel like our young people are dealing with a lot of issues and there is a lack of communication. We have to realize that our children are in the care of teachers, you know, the daycare more than they're with us. And we have to make the time to connect with them and ask them how their day was, what's going on. And I'm, and again, I, the process of really learning about my son and what he's dealing with have really, has really helped me become a better mother. Because again, I was so much on the go. I got 
this is inconvenient for me. It allowed me to slow down and really start communicating better. Even though my children are five and seven, I really wanted to make sure I started to communicate better. So even my daughter, I sat her down and was like, hey, the reason why your brother's taking medicine is because of this. This is going to help him with this. I wanted her to understand as well. I wanted her to understand why I was giving him what she might think is extra attention because my daughter is one of those like, hey, why did he get this and I didn't? I wanted to under her to, like, if he's getting medicine, why didn't I get medicine? And I'm like, listen, it's not the same kind of medicine. This isn't a Flintstone, Flintstone right. vitamin. So I had to take time to kind of talk to her and tell her what was going on in a way that she understood. So it's just constant communication, finding different unique ways to communicate with your children. Like even with even with the book I wrote, like I, I always tell parents, this is a way that you can communicate with your children because as they age, the conversations might have to shift. You might have to put on a movie like, you know, when they see us and watch a movie and then have a conversation after. So it might be it might evolve as they age and mature just because what they're consuming is different, how they're communicating is different, but you have to just communicate all together. And I think that some people just lack it because sometimes you come home tired and you don't really want to chit chat, but you have to make it a, a thing where you're, you're communicating with your kids on a regular basis. So that's what has helped me a lot now becoming a better parent is just really communicating with them and having full blown conversations with them and, you know, at their level to say, Hey, this is what's going on. This is why mommy feels this way. Even when I have bad days, I apologize to my kids. I know that sounds awkward, but I have had blow-ups in the car where my son's had a bad day, and I'm like, you got your medicine. You've gotten everything that you need. What is wrong? I had a breakdown one time, and I had to later come back and apologize to my children. I'm so sorry. Mommy flipped out. <laughs> um, this is why, and so on and so on. I apologize to them because... I, I just feel like as parents, we're not perfect. So it's just been really a transition for me by really making the effort to let them know what's going on and um, communicating with them on a regular basis. Wow. So ladies, last question. What would you tell a parent to encourage them um, to just, Hang on and be patient with their special needs child. Naomi, you can take go first. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard because the children to hang on to me. That's kind of cliche. Right. They all hang on because they are going to hang on because that's their child, you know. So right most most parents, I can't say 100%, but most parents are not going to give up. Just like um, Issa, you know, she did her research. She, she, she did what she needed to do for her baby. And so she's sticking in here. She, she's explaining it to her, to her daughter so they can um, have an understanding of what needs to be done for her son. So to tell them to hang on, it's like, I don't know. That would be kind of weird, but I would <laughs> encourage them <laughs> to. I mean, it's, I don't know. I feel I don't, you. I, I feel you. Answer for that. It's like I just, I would just encourage them and let them know that they're doing a good job. Okay. You know, like 
you're strong and you, you are doing it. Even though it might feel harder sometimes, you are doing it. And, you know, it's, I mean, that's, that's really it. Like, just, just, just encourage them that they, they do have it in them. And yes, it gets hard. And yes, you, you can cry. And yes, you can, can, can get it out whenever you need it. When you need a break, it's okay to take a break. And it's okay to do self care. And it's okay to return and do what you need to do as a mom. You know, and that's something I would tell any mom, but especially those who have kids with needs, because they never have a break. You know, it's, right. it's hard to find someone to give them a break to take the babies with the special needs so, so they can go and get their nails done or, or you know, something like that. So I would just try to give them support with that and figure out who is their resources or can we give them some resources for that or if it's someone I know, I can keep the kid. Get your nails done, go to a movie, go out to eat, something. I'll stay here for a couple of hours and you go, I've done that before. A couple of my friends who are raised especially kids who's just like, I can't. You know, one kid is in a psych hospital and then you got another kid tearing up your house. And it's like, okay, I'm going to come and watch the baby while you go attend to another kid that's in a psych hospital. And then I need you to go do something for yourself after your visit. Mm-hmm. Then you go sit somewhere and cry. Whatever you need to do. Get it out and then come back, you know, ready. I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's what I would do. Wow. That's awesome. Aisha? Yeah, for me, I would say kill the noise. Like, I had to just... even I even tell new moms that or new parents, like, everybody's going to have advice. Everyone's going to have a certain perspective, but you have to kill the noise because I still have people now, like, my kids are with their grandparents for the summer and I've heard like oh we're not giving them the medicine because of blah 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 okay that's fine you know it is what it is it is the summer you guys have control of it he's really my son's really running all over them but (laughs) I have more of a good reign on him but kill the noise get the research that you need I know it's easy to go to Dr. Google and look watch all these conspiracy theories and you just have to kill the noise Get with your doctor, ask the questions, get with parents. Because one of the powerful things about that class I went through about ADHD, I was in there with other parents and I was able to hear their stories. I'm even a part of a Facebook group that is ADHD a support group. And I now I understand my, my son chews all over. He chews everything. And I'm like, and they're like, oh, this is normal. I don't know if it's an ADHD thing, but. Just seeing that makes me not feel alone because that means a lot to me. That's okay. You know, yes, it's unfortunate we're all going through it, but at least I know there's a group of other people out there that I can reach out to and I can see that I'm not the only one going through this because when you're going through something like that, you do feel overwhelmed. I do have to consider who's going to watch my son because before, if I do want to have a mental health day and get some free time because... He does have ADHD. I have to kind of shift a little bit more and I might have them come to my house to watch them instead of me taking him there because he's in his comfort zone. So yeah, there's some adjustments and shifts you should make, but um, yeah, just kill the noise, make the adjustments. It's yes, it's going to suck sometimes, but you know, you do the best you can get connected with people like you amazing women, you know, that are going through the same thing or they, they can provide support, but get connected with the community and it's going to help tremendously. But it's, 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 it's been so much better just because I've educated myself and I've got connected with people who I can relate to and that can support me. 
That is absolutely amazing. Well, ladies, I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules just to talk to us on Mama Filter. You both are absolutely amazing. I love you both to pieces. And I just thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into our program. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave us a comment. I can't wait to see you all next week on Mom Unfiltered.